Hello, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am John Whitaker. And I am Dave Keen. Here to talk about Sunday's sermon. We are in Jonah chapter 2. Chapter 2, making our way downtown. Walking fast. You know that song? Yeah, I do. It's a great one. It's a great one. Songbird of our generation. Uh, anyways, Jonah, chapter 2. I am turning there now. Not prepared. Uh, it says, uh, sorry. Uh, it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, um, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Um, so you had a point here, and your first point was pray to the Lord in chaos. Yes. Um, anything that you didn't get to say, or just kind of, what you, you would say in your, in your main emphasis that you're trying to draw out of here? Yeah, what we want people to see is that God is already moving in your life. And like, you know, the, the reason the chaos and the storm is happening to your life, I believe, is because uh, God wants it there, right? Mm-hmm. For, for whatever reason, he, he is, that is passed through his hands to you. So the verse 17 in chapter 1, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Mm-hmm. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, mm-hmm. right? So... Before um, Jonah was, you know, praying to the Lord and asking God for salvation, physical salvation, or, you know, eternal salvation, we don't really know exactly. Mm-hmm. But the fish had to be nearby, right? So he had to appoint that fish to go after Jonah and rescue him. I think yeah. sometimes we think that God is, is not there, God is lost to us, that we don't see God moving. Yeah. But we have to know that, like, there's a reason God has allowed this circumstance in your life, mm-hmm. right? So, and I obviously, there's the word distress is kind of where I got the word chaos from. I called to the Lord out of my distress, out of my, out of the chaos, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goodness, even over the last couple of days, um, thinking about all the stuff that's happening in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and the chaos there, uh, the chaos in, in Haiti, um, it really kind of put teeth on it for me. My goodness, like there is, Lord, what are you doing there? What are you doing with it? all this tragedy and this pain in the world. Uh, and I just trust the Lord is doing something, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, in times of my own life, when there has been storms, I know the Lord has worked through them. So uh, people who are part of our church listening to this sermon, I just wanted them to know God is moving. Mm-hmm. God is moving. Trust Him. And to call out to Him, right? Yeah. Um, I think it may if I was going to make one more application here, I may have stressed... Uh, Rather than trying to solve problems yourself in terms of going to a friend or reading a book, pray. Hmm. Pray, right? Yeah. So that the whole idea of the sermon is, are you praying? Yeah. Pray to the Lord. Go to Him, right? I don't think I emphasize that enough. Yeah, I think I, even listening to it, I was, we had a, a meeting last night with some of uh, the teachers, and just the emphasis of prayer of often, I think it was from the sermon, it kind of stuck out to me, was that in my mind, I was like, so often you hear that's the least I can do is to pray. But honestly, I was like, what is the, what better thing can we do than to take something before the throne of God or the universe? Like, what else would we rather do? We can read a book, yes, but, like, you have access to God. <laughs> that's pretty, uh, um, uh, your introduction, you mentioned Martin Luther and his prayer in the storm. Is that, did that help? 
I mean, was that kind of drawn out of the points or was that kind of in the back of your mind as you were reading? Like, how did that come about? Well, I was just thinking about introduction mm -hmm. um, and who uh, prayed to God in a storm. Mm -hmm. That's what I started thinking through. So I thought yeah. through several different people who did that. And then I read a few different uh, excerpts, uh, one from Leganier, one from uh, John Piper mm -hmm. on, on that story. And then this idea that he prayed to an idol, right? Mm -hmm. He prayed to St. Anne, right? Mm -hmm. Not to God, right? And then, like, like as I said in the sermon, um, John, Jonah 2.8, right? Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, and so all this was kind of going through my mind, how Luther kind of lived this, uh, I have to appease God, I have to work for his approval. Jesus speaking to the Jews, same kind of thing. They have to win their favor from God, win his approval, appease him. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I think that that idol, that vain idol of I have to earn my way to heaven, mm -hmm. uh, is just, I think it's just shown itself in so many different areas yeah, in people's lives and other, other religions especially. So I think that's probably why I made the connection specifically and kind of decided to just use Luther. Yeah, that's so. good. Uh, your second, well, sorry, before we move on, uh, I love the John Stock quote. It was great. It says, uh, prayer is not to bend God's will to ours, but to align ours with God. That's um, yeah. He said, it, it is, uh, prayer is not emphatically, he said, emphatically not to bend our uh, God's will to ours, but ours will to him. And of course, it's just like every prayer, right? Not my will, but thy will be done. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, second, uh, you put, pray to the Lord in certainty, verses four through seven. It says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight. I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Um, it reminded me of similar like James, right? This is, when you ask, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask, but you can't be double-minded, right? You can't be like, I'm asking, but I don't assume. Is it, and that's kind of your point, pray to the Lord in certainty. Is that, is that, is that the connection that you're trying to... Yeah, so I, mean, I, I really about? got that idea of certainty or confidence right there from the end of verse 4. Mm -hmm. um, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon you and your holy temple. Mm -hmm. I love this. This is maybe Psalm 27. Mm -hmm. kind of, that was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask, that I may gaze upon you in your holy temple. And then in verse 13 of that psalm, it says, uh, I will call upon, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's this mm -hmm. promise that we're trusting in God. And I think when we go to him, there's a confident belief that the Lord will move. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just thinking about in my own counseling, um, people, People are really dealing with depression and anxiety and worry. Um, and I'm telling them to do what the psalmist did. Bring your complaint. Bring your request before God. And then there's this pivot in all those psalms where you're, no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my vent to the Lord. And then there's this pivot, yet I will trust you because of who you are. You are the everlasting God. You have not changed. You know. So I think there, there, there's an element even here where uh, he is going down to the depths and seeing him sink, and then all he says, I, yet I will see the Lord again. Mm. I think in that moment, he, he, he rests his salvation on the goodness of God and not his own, his own strength. So I think sometimes we want to have that rock-hard confidence of who God is, his character, his nature, um, and having a big view of God, I think, yeah. really helps that. How do you, I guess, balance that? Um, 
idea of confidence and prayer, and yet at the same time, God doesn't have to answer your prayers for the yes. Well, that's the, that's the idea of not my will, but thy will be done. Mm -hmm. God knows better, right? Yeah. And yet the, the Bible is very clear. You look at John 5, 1 John 5, um, you know, bring your request before him. Mm -hmm. He hears your prayers. If he hears your prayers. We know that we ask what we, we, he's, he's given to us. You know, there's so many times in the scriptures where God says, go to the Lord, go to the Lord in prayer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what happens is when you pray to God, he does take your will and your desires and he does shape them and mold them into his desires. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, that's what he wants to have. He wants to help us focus on that. And I think it's just trusting in his character, his, his power, his will, not our own. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that when we don't pray, or we only pray to get things from God, mm -hmm. uh, I think that we're missing the intimacy that comes from knowing who our God is. Yeah, I guess, I mean, is it just maybe another reason for us not to pray to God? Like, well, you know, he doesn't have to answer. What if he says no? Things like that. Uh, do you find, I mean, kind of reflecting, it's a lot of prayer, you know, it's kind of the main idea. Why do we not pray more often? We don't believe God's actually there. Mm -hmm. We don't believe God answers prayer. Mm -hmm. um, we are prideful. Mm -hmm. We don't think that we need God. Um, we don't have a relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think that we just are selfish. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I do think that we just we're too busy. Yeah, that's good. Everything in our culture kind of leads this way of focusing on all the things that you have to do. Rather than who you were called to be, you know, I think we're called to be in His presence. You know, like the story of Mary and Martha. You know, Martha, Martha, you are distracted with much. There's this, that word yeah. "much" there, much yeah. distraction. I can't remember how where where, where it's placed in the text, mm -hmm. but that word "much" I think is something that we should you yeah. know, take note of. So, but one thing is necessary. But one thing is necessary. Yeah, that's you good. have chosen the good portion. So I think prayer is a good portion. Yeah. Right, and I think that. The people who I know pray often tend not to really be overwhelmed mm. with strife, anxiety, discontentment. Mm. Interesting. Um, your third point, pray to the Lord for clarity. Verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Now, I'm just taking a wild guess. Is this the verse that stuck out to you most? Well, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so this is kind of the turning where I'm kind of bringing in the New Testament mm -hmm. and I'm kind of looking, thinking of all of Matthew 12 there. And really the idea of praying for clarity, you're, I'm asking, okay, am I paying regard to the idols? Mm -hmm. So when I, when I initially uh, made the point, um, kind of outlined the sermon, my thought was I was going to walk through all the different kind of idols in your life and asking God, mm -hmm. am I paying regard to this? Am mm -hmm. I paying regard to this idea of, you know, status and um, money or sex? Um, but then I, at the more and more I started looking at Matthew 12 and seeing how Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, really that whole kind of um, uh, story going from the Sabbath mm -hmm. situation at the beginning of chapter 12, and then you kind of go on to the, the, the servant, and then you have this, this idea of like the Gentiles there, mm -hmm. and you look at Jonah, and Jonah didn't want the Gentiles to be saved, and the Pharisees didn't want the Gentiles to be saved, mm -hmm. and it's kind of that, that wrestling there. I kind of shifted it, and I, I focus was more on that one vain idol of um, trusting in, in religious observance. Yeah. So the more and more I, I looked at Matthew 12, I kind of shifted away from the idea of certainty. Are you certainly 
living for the, the hope of steadfast love. Yeah. So and I'm guessing your original intention, Matthew twelve, was the text of like Jonah, the sign of Jonah. Did yeah. you just as you read it, you were like, Oh, there's a lot more here. Yeah, well I started look, really looking at the context. I've mean, listened to that before, I mean yeah. I quoted it even, even last week's sermon. Um, but the more and more I looked at that whole entire passage, mm-hmm. and then he, I didn't even go into the depth of it, but in, in Matthew 13, when it says, on the same day, he's teaching the parable of the sower. Yeah. And he who has ears, let him hear. It almost seems like that whole entire thing is like, you know, do you understand who Jesus Christ is? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think the more and more I saw, okay, how did Jesus use it in context? Mm-hmm. I kind of moved it more towards, okay, do you understand that salvation belongs mm-hmm. to the Lord? So it's almost like I, I was going there with one thing in verse 8, and then verse 9, looking at Jesus' words in, in Matthew 12, became more prominent in my thinking. Mm. So, I mean, I guess in, in Jonah's mind, those who pay regard to vain idols, is he talking about himself? I don't know. Yeah. Because I mean, he's those. Like, he's like, some, 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 some commentators may thought it was himself, yeah. right? Other commentators were saying he was make, made a reference to the pagan sailors, right? Yeah. This this idea of vain idols. Yeah, I think it's hard for him not to think about himself. Yeah, but the problem is, is if you look at chapter chapter four, you really see a whole lot of idol idolatry still in Jonah's life. Right. So, so it's hard to know that if he's if he, in his mind he's thinking about the sailors, mm-hmm. but he's actually thinking about it, like the Lord's actually saying he's the one who's paying regard to vain idols. Yeah, because it, it doesn't say there's like. The sailors seem to be almost characterized as good in the story because they're the ones that repent of their yeah. and they so I just thought it was very interesting the work those and forsake their hope of steadfast love. Uh, what is Jonah's hope of steadfast love? Well, I think this is an idea of, of who the Lord is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he defines the Lord in chapter four: "The Lord is slow to anger, abounding steadfast love." Kind of the way the Lord has defined Himself throughout the Old Testament, mm-hmm. um, even in in the previous few verses. This idea of "Yet I will look at you in the holy temple." Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Jonah realized that, or should say, Jonah did realize that he was not saved by his works. Mm-hmm. He was not saved by his obedience. He was saved by the steadfast love of God, who forgives and who is gracious and um, who um, shows his kindness in when we don't deserve it. So I think that he, he knows that um, to himself. Right. There's a, if you really read the ESV Study Bible, there's this picture, kind of this great kind of uh, chart that's kind of given that talks about uh, how Jonah compared to himself. Like Jonah wants salvation for himself, but mm-hmm. not for others. There's, there's this kind of comparison between mm-hmm. Jonah and the Gentiles. And man, it's really good. Yeah. Right? And I just think about how much of our lives is focused on ourselves and being self-centered and self-focused and not on others. Is there maybe a uh, test you would give us? Because obviously like you're saying the vain idols and you're trying to draw out this idea of self is that vain idol. Okay, yes, yeah, so am I being selfish? What are maybe some tests you would give yourself of am I being selfish or self-interest? Yeah, so I mean, one of the questions, okay, why am I really doing this? Hmm. Right? Am I doing this to be seen by others? Um, my, my goodness, this thing about social media, right? Maybe that's one specific way I'm posting something. Why am I posting this? Yeah. Am I posting this because I want people to look at me, think well of me? Even as a, as a, as a, you know, as a pastor, am I, you know, am I, am I kind of doing certain things because this thing gives me more affirmation from the church? Mm. Um, so I, it's, you know, every time we try to do good, 
Paul yeah. says evil's right there with us. Yeah. You gotta be very careful. Just understand our motive, motives. If I'm still trying to please man, I'm not a servant of Christ. He's saying Galatians 1.10. So I think we just have to really study and, and ask those heart questions. Um, you know, I don't. We don't want to be like navel gazing, right? right? And, and like, what was me? And be like overly critical of ourselves. Sometimes we just need to kind of do, and then maybe after, oh, I realize I'm doing this, maybe with impure motives. Mm. So, is there any maybe um, medication you would give for uh, those vain idols that we're prone to? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for me. It's always going to come back to the gospel, yeah. right? Because the gospel says that you are. Um, one who did follow vain idols, mm -hmm. and even when you did, the Lord rescued you. He came to you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose for you. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we don't have to hide, and we don't have to run after the things of this world. Yeah. We don't. It doesn't matter what. And it, and it, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter what others think of us. It doesn't matter what um, you know what we're doing in this life. What what ultimately matters is is what we do in the heart towards our our Lord and yeah. our Master. Are we setting Him apart as Lord? That's good. And you know, then at, at the judgment seat, we're not going to care if our what our neighbors thought of us. Yeah. We're going to care what Christ thought of us. Yeah, that's good. Uh, our fourth point and last point, pray to the Lord for comfort. Verse 9, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The Lord spoke, verse 10, The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Um you told they're like keeping his vow, right? You kind of maybe emphasize th that um, part there. Will sacrifice you what I have vowed I will pay. What, what were you trying to draw out there? I think that Jonah makes a vow that I'm going to fulfill my vow that, he, that I began with. Mm -hmm. right? We see that in chapter 3 when he kind of arises, goes in, and calls out against it. I'm mm -hmm. going to do what I don't want to do because I'm going to, I want to honor the Lord. Mm -hmm. Really, the idea of the word, the word comfort really just comes from salvation. Right, we're being comforted in our sin. You know, I think the comfort I always think about the balm of Gilead, right? This 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 balm that comforts us in our affliction, and that's the gospel. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's what I'm seeing in um Second Corinthians one, which was why I kind of went there, this idea of comfort, the God of all comfort. Right. And then there's that, that ending part it says that all this was based to make us rely not in ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Mm. And I really think that's the whole book of Jonah, right? Salvation belongs to the Lord, right? There's no way that Jonah could be saved. He had to be rescued by a fish. And this mm -hmm. this illustration, this physical illustration of Jonah being captured by a fish and being in the belly for three days and three nights really was just showing us that the Messiah was going to come and do the same thing. Mm. This is why Jesus says, I don't need to give you another sign. I've already given you one, right? Yeah. But even when he says that, he says, I'm going to give you another one. Yeah. But the other one is going to be the death, burial, and resurrection of yeah. himself, right? So, um, yeah, so I, I think that what I was trying to get people to see is that Salvation belongs to, to the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. and, and salvation is only found in Christ. Yeah, that's good. Um, may, maybe help us with this idea of, because I think when I find this book written to Jonah, are we to take this? It's not written to Jonah, maybe it's written by Jonah. By Jonah, but I guess more of it's a singular person. We have a, you know, because I think that's, it's we read it through the lens of, Jonah, essentially, and we read ourselves as as Jonah. But I think the journal, which can be kind of counterintuitive to what the whole idea of the book is, is that it's not about Jonah. Ultimately, it's going to be about salvation belongs to everyone. Is there any like tips you would give us to not try to read ourselves in the sense of me, but us? So as I read it as maybe on behalf of Park Baptist Church, not just read it as 
John Whitaker, or how do how do I kind of yeah, find so that balance? What I was studying this week with with some folks, they asked the question, "How would the Jews have received this book?" Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I asked the question. I can't remember. Um, but it, someone asked yeah, the question. Was, it someone it could have been me. Um, this idea of um, the Jews would not have received it well, right? Mm-hmm. Because it makes the whole idea that the the Israel is like Jonah, right? Yeah. And they don't want the Gentiles to be saved. They're not going to by the gospel. They're, they're resistant. But I feel like that's most of the province that probably wasn't received well at that time. Like, you're doing terrible. You're doing terrible. <laughs> but a lot of the pro- some of the prophets are, are speaking against right. the nations. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jonah is very, he's characterized as someone who really cares for himself. Mm. And I think that's what the, what the Jewish people were um, mm. in Jonah's day and in Jesus' day, right? Mm. They're concerned more with themselves. As a church, right? Um, I think we ask ourselves, do we care more about ourselves or do we more care more about others? Do we mm-hmm. care more about our own um, community in terms yeah. of our own church body yeah. or do we care about those who are lost, right? Uh, do we live on mission? Do we believe that God saves? Do we believe that God can save my family members who may not be walking with the Lord? Do we yeah. believe that God saves the, the people in our community who ask for help, mm-hmm. right, from maybe sinfully? So, um you know, so I think that we have to think through, okay, what is God's main purpose for our church in reading this book? You can make lots of applications to yeah. racism here, right? I mean, I think Jonah is, I don't like the Ninevites, not only because of their, their Gentiles, mm. but because of what they did and who they were. But I don't like them as a people, right? Mm. Um, I don't think that's as big of a problem that we have as a body, yeah. but I think there may be some seeds and all of us that okay, are we showing partiality? Mm-hmm. Right, you, you brought that up even even today. Like, are we loving without partiality? God is impartial, right? So I think Jonah had partial love. Mm-hmm. Do we? That yeah. might be a good question for us to ask. That's good. I just find it um, kind of something I try to do often because most of the, especially letters in the New Testament are written not to individuals, they're written to churches as a whole. And I think sometimes our temptation is to. How do I think about me, me? And I think that's important, but also I think, like, hey, what about the person sitting at the end of the pew, right? How could I, you know, read this for us, not just for me? I, th- I think that's just a good way, because I think that's really what Jonah's problem was, and seeing himself and not the world, not seeing the people in the book. Yeah. Yeah, any, any last comments, uh, applications that just for. That's it. If not, we're going to Jonah 3 next Yeah, week. I mean, I, I just would say, like, just it's a beautiful thing that salvation belongs to the Lord, yeah. right? He is sovereign, he is kind, he is gracious, mm-hmm. and he saves, right? He saves me and you when we don't deserve it. He saves others when they don't deserve it. And praise God, the salvation belongs to him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness and your mercy that's new every day. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ, that he came uh, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand this word and apply it to our lives, uh, that we could uh, understand that um, we uh, were once Jonah, we were lost, we were dead, and we needed God to save us because salvation belongs to the Lord. And we thank you for Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to live in the life that has been given to us. Help us not to live in death and darkness, God. And help us to shine our light on those around us. They may see our good deeds, and give glory not to us, but to you, Father in heaven. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.